up, what's up, everybody? And the Boys of Fall podcast coming right at you again. Episode 2, we got a great show for you lined up today. Evening, tonight, whenever you're listening to the podcast. I'm recording at night. That's where I can find recording time. We had a pretty big weekend this weekend in, in high school football. Got a couple of our teams went up north, competed in the Battle at the Beach tournament at Huntington Beach. They took on some southern section squads, pretty good southern uh, section squads. Say that five times fast, Theth. Southern section squads. Mission, or not Mission Bay, Mission Hills was in the same pool as Modern Day, La Habra, Sarah Gardena. Cajon, brutal, brutal pool they were in. They went one and three in that in that pool. They beat La Habra. Cajon looked really good. I just want to point out real quick. Helix plays Cajon um, early in the season as their one of their non-league games. And then Cathedral Catholic played in the tournament as well. They went two and three. Had a little bit better success. Um in their day, they beat Narbonne and Cathedral uh, Cathedral LA. Uh, they lost to Corona Centennial in bracket play as they were able to qualify for the silver bracket. That came that game came down to the wire. Game that went into overtime in passing league. Overtime rules up at the Battle at the Beach tournament at Edison High School was each team had one play from the forty yard line. Whoever went the farthest on that play won. I like that rule, honestly. It makes it fast, makes the outcome faster. Let's sit here and, you know, try to, like, score from the 10-yard line, two incomplete passes, or what if both teams score, yada, yada, yada. So, Cathedral comes out. DJ Ralph at quarterback throws a bomb to Zion Serrani. He completely mosses the Centennial uh, defensive back, and they probably catch it down at the two-yard line, so a gain of 38 yards. And you're thinking the game's over. Cathedral's got it. Flag on the field. Zion Serrani get called for the offensive pass interference. It's a little bit of a push-off kind of... I mean, he makes contact with the defensive back, but aside from that, I, I, I've seen more blatant offensive pass interferences not get called. So Centennial gets the ball. Quick snap, you know, two-yard route on a quick slant, and they win the game. But, you know, Cathedral Catholic played really well. DJ Ralph probably won the starting quarterback job. Last Saturday, Zion Serrani had a hell of a day making plays up there for the Dons. Newcomer Briggs Garrison did really well as a pass catcher. He repped at tight end. He repped at slot receiver. It's going to be tough you know, to find a spot for him on the field, but he needs to play on offense for sure um, if you're Cathedral Catholic. So many different weapons they have. DJ Justice, Zion Serrani at wideout. He only played one wideout in that offense, too, so I'm curious to see what happens. Um, but Briggs Garrison did a good job as well. Mission Hills, I thought they played... I, I thought I didn't get to watch too much of their uh, tournament, but I thought they played well for the you know the cards that they were dealt. They were able to beat La Habra, like I said, and you know that, that pool beat up each other, and that's just how the passing league tournament was up there at Battle at the Beach. But, you know, after that performance, you know, Mission Hills, you know, they went 1-4, probably... Not as good as they probably uh, thought, you know, they were going to do. 
But after that performance they had, I, I got them ranked higher in my top 25, my preseason top 25, which I'll get to later in a little bit. Um, let's talk about the Southwest tourney real quick before I you know get going. We're going to have uh, Chula Vista's head coach, Howard Bannister, on in a little bit, and then followed up, uh, we got Drew Westling scheduled today. Both these coaches, you know, are going to go in depth with them, getting their backgrounds, you know, what they like as a coach, you know, how they got into coaching. Uh, Drew Wessling was able to play college football. We talked to a little bit about that. He's you know, played with played for his dad up at Aliso uh, uh, Niguel in uh, Orange County. Coached with his dad. He was at Southwestern College, San Diego State. Howard Bannister's first year at Chula Vista High School uh, went seven and five last year. He had those guys playing well down down uh, at the end of the season when they played Monta Vista. I gave Monta Vista the best game they had in the playoffs, being honest with you. Held them to the least amount of points, took them to overtime, lost in the quarterfinals, but you know that Chula Vista team, you better watch out because they are the top team in their division coming up You know when it comes to power rating-wise. So that's that's a team to be looking out for. Bannister did a great job in his first year. And uh, you can talk to him a little bit about uh, this next Chula Vista team coming up uh, in 2018. Southwest Tourney. What do I take on the Southwest Tournament? Lincoln wins another passing league tournament. And the thing with Lincoln is... This is their time. This is the time that they shine. This is the time that they're on top of the map. This is their time where they put on their their show and, and win a bunch of passing league tournaments. And last year at this time, after winning a bunch of passing league tournaments, people were really high on them. They were thinking, "Man, this team's gonna you know be able to compete, top ten team, probably one of the best teams in the county." Almost kind of overhyped them a little bit. You got to get the big boys going. You got to get the offensive line going if you want to be able to compete on Friday nights. But I think this team might be just a little different. They got they got bigger linemen coming in. They got I don't know if you've seen that video. I forget the kid's name, but their center he was like bench pressing like something ridiculous, like something like five hundred pounds or something outlandish like that. So the way he's been working out, um, expect them to. Be a little bit better up front, but they got a brutal schedule. Like I said last week on the podcast, they just their league schedule in general. Madison Saints, Point Loma Cathedral Catholic. It's going to be tough for Lincoln, but you know they're going to win games. Their athleticism is going to win their games. Don Chapman, big time recruit out of San Diego, um, uh, Lincoln product, just committed to Colorado the other day on the PPR. It's a good fit for him. And it was a fit that he wanted in the beginning. You know, sources I have talked to said his heart and soul was at Colorado for a long time. He was like, that's where I'm going to go. I just have a feeling about it. Initially, as soon as he visited, bam, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Colorado. I'm going to be a Colorado buff. Coaches told him and, and family advice told him, hey, you know, check out USC. Check out some of these local schools. You know, keep your options open, which is a smart move. You always got to do it. But at the end of the day, the kid said, you know what? As great as all these other places were, I I just love my heart's in Colorado. That's where I want to be, and that's that's where he decided to go um, and play football at the next level. We had another kid commit, uh, Austin Turner at uh, Carlsbad, committed to Washington. That's another hell of an athlete out here in San Diego. Great player. I was able. I was fortunate to watch him last year in the playoffs. He did a really good job. Uh, he, he's he's arguably you know top five player 
in San Diego County. He's got great size. He's got a good frame to build on, and I think that's what uh, colleges love the most besides his athleticism and his ability to make plays. Great kid. There's a couple of news there. So uh, tangent. I got off on a tangent. Southwest Tourney. Lincoln won. Uh, Torrey Pines made it to the final again before losing to Lincoln. Um, they're getting kind of tired of losing to Lincoln in the in the final, but it's it's kind of built into a nice little passing league rivalry rivalry for them. You know, two teams that usually don't play each other in regular season or or hardly ever play each other in the playoffs. It's an interesting matchup there, Lincoln Torrey Pines. You know, you got to be concerned with Torrey Pines being successful with the wing team passing league. It's got to be concerning for you. Any team. It here here's the thing. Torrey Pines and Cathedral Catholic being as dominant as ha- they have been so far this summer in passing league needs to raise a red flag for the rest of the teams in the county. Wing T teams do not do well in passing league. Torrey Pines and Cathedral Catholic in particular never do well in passing league, and they're succeeding right now. Cathedral just went up to Huntington Beach, like I said, competed with the southern section. At what the southern section is really good at. Spread offenses, throwing the ball downfield. Cathedral Catholic will run passing league plays where two guys go out for a route. That is not successful. And they still are able to move the ball with the weapons that they have. Torrey Pine, same thing. On paper, not a lot of weapons when it comes to their skill positions. They got a lot of guys coming back, but if you look at their top recruits, it's mostly linemen. And they're going to be successful by the way they run the wing tee and the way they're able to run the football behind their big guys on the offensive line. Quarterback's also a, a pretty good factor there too. But when you're looking at Torrey Pines, they don't necessarily have on paper the athleticism that you know Cathedral does or Lincoln or you know even Mission Hills. Their bread and butter is their offensive line next year, and they're still in the finals for all these passing league tournaments. Incredible job by Gladnick up there in, in winning in these non- um, these off-season things. you got to be concerned about Torrey Pines if you're an open-level team, if you're a Division One team. Otay Ranch is kind of sneaky there, too. They've been hanging in these tournaments. They've been pushing late. Uh, based on how Eastlake finished last year, I would totally forgot that Otay Ranch actually won the Metro Mesa League last year. They're the team to beat in the Metro Mesa League. Flying under the radar, the South Bay schools. Hilltop, another one. We'll talk to Coach Wessling in, in, in just a moment, but... You know, he's got a passing attack that's lighting it up right now. 7-5 and five his last two seasons. He's got to the quarterfinals the last two years as well. He's got things going down there at Hilltop. And the kids are buying in. And I don't know. It's easy to see why they're buying in based on the way he is as a coach. So for the re- reaction from this weekend and now that all the tournaments are over, you need to be concerned about Torrey Pines and Cathedral Catholic if you're a D1 or open school. They're not here to mess around. Mission Hills, question mark team for me coming into the year. I had them lower in my top, you know, my preseason top 25, um, you know, at the end of the season. I, it came out with a way too early top 10, 25 uh, in December. I had them at seven. They definitely got a bump up after last weekend. They're going to be able to, they're going to be able to compete. They're going to be good. They're not going to be as good as last year because it's going to be hard to replace Tuttle. At quarterback. It's going to be hard to get another weapon like Alave. They got weapons. And they've shown it. But who's going to give them the ball? 
Can Joey Armand Trout take you to where you want to be? Very talented kid. Got a great arm. But can he get it done? And we'll see what happens. And I, I he's got he's got the drive. He's an, another great kid. He's got a good arm. He's got good footwork. He's a good quarterback. Little undersized. But we'll see. I mean, it, it's and it's not a knock on Joey because it's going to be it was going to be difficult for any quarterback to step in and try to replace Jack Tuttle of last year because of how good he was. So that's the question mark for Mission Hills. Can Joey Armatruck take you to the next level? At quarterback, I think he can. I think Mission Hills will be an open open division team. Southwest tournament, we saw Lincoln win another championship. But there's a cause for concern for other teams. This Lincoln team might be a little bit different than teams in the past. And they look like they're making strides. They got more kids staying at home. Playing for Lincoln. They're going to be good. Watch out for them in league, though. That's going to be the tester. If they win two games in league this year, you better watch out for come playoff time. If they win two games in league this year, you better watch out for Lincoln come playoff time. Lincoln, Division 2. That Division 2, man, I'll tell you what right now. That Division 2 is going to be a fun playoff to watch. Mira Mesa, D2. They're probably my D2 favorite with their new coach in, 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 Chris, in Chris Thompson. Mira Mesa, Lincoln, Ramona, Vista, Valley Center, Point Loma, Bishops, Modern Day. I thought Modern Day looked really good this weekend. In fact... Most of the South Bay schools look pretty good this weekend. South Bay is back on the rise. I'm not saying they're back, you know, like people say Texas is back in college football. But, you know, that Metro Mesa League is, you know, it's loaded with talent. The Metro South Bay League, under the radar league, Hilltop went to the semifinals last year. Chula Vista made it to the quarterfinals and lost to ultimately the champ in the Monta Vista Monarchs. So that South Bay League's going to be good. We're going to be talking to two coaches coming up here that both coach in the Metro South Bay League. One is Howard Bannister of Chula Vista. He joins us next on the Boys of, po- Boys of Fall podcast with Braden Soprano. Welcome back to the Boys of Fall podcast, San Diego High School football edition with Braden Soprenit. I'm here with head coach of Chula Vista, Howard Bannister. He just completed his first season last year. 7-5, and 2-1 in the league, went 1-1 in the playoffs. Lost to the eventual champ, uh, Monta Vista, 29-28 in overtime. Coach, it was your first season as, as the head coach of Chula Vista. From the side of being a head ball coach at a new school, how was the adjustment period for you? You know, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, Brayden. I'm really happy to be here. I think you're doing a really good job uh, with the podcast, uh, and I'm glad to see someone highlighting uh, everybody in the county. So really appreciate it. Um, you know, first season was a whirlwind. Uh, you know, I got the job really late. I got it in May of last year, I believe. Uh, uh, the head coach before stepped down really late, um, and I was actually scheduled to be the defensive coordinator at Otay Ranch at the time. So it was pretty late in the game. Uh, and I think we literally spent uh, our first week of spring ball installing the offense and defense with a brand-new staff. 
Uh, it wasn't until about game three, I'm guessing, uh, that everything, you know, finally started to click. So it seems like we started and then it was over uh, in about two months, even though it was a little longer than that. What a, what a quick adjustment period for you, just kind of like, you know, fed to the fire, had to get your boys ready to go. And uh, pretty, you know, remarkable season for Chula Vista, a team that's, you know, kind of struggled over the years before um, you got there. But let's talk about your coaching uh, prowess and how you got to where you are today. You know, you just said you're at Otay Ranch um, right before you got to uh, to Chula Vista. What were some of the steps you took in, in order, um, you know, to get to being the head coach you are today at Chula Vista? Uh, you know, I'm fortunate. Um, you know, I think like a lot of guys, I started off coaching my kids. Uh, I actually started teaching at Chula Vista High School when I became a teacher in uh, 2006, I believe. Uh, coach Onis Organ was the principal back then. He was always trying to get me to come over and coach. But, uh, you know, I always had this idea that when you have kids, you want to coach them. So I spent a lot of time coaching my kids uh, in the Otai Broncos youth organization for eight to ten years, I think it was. I'm not sure. Um, you know, and I just put in a lot of work. I hate losing, so I worked really hard. I went to every clinic. I met with a bunch of high school coaches that I knew knew more than I did and just tried to get better, and I was fortunate to have a lot of success at the lower levels, and uh, I think that kind of got me on Otay Ranch's uh, high school radar. Uh, and then Lance Christensen brought me in um, when he got the job at Otay Ranch, uh, and I was lucky, and then I kind of double-duty varsity and head coaching the lower levels for the first couple of years there. And, uh, and again, I was fortunate to continue having success. And like I said, I didn't get thick. My name just kind of got out there. Uh, and then when the job at Chula came up, I've always wanted to be a head coach. Uh, you know, I was a president of a little league. I was a coaching director at the lower level sports. I just, you know, that's just kind of the thing I like to do. And Chula came up, I put in for it and, and here we are. What a, what a great uh, story to get to where you are today. And, uh, you know, I had a pretty successful season last year, like I said earlier. And, and before getting that, but, you know, before you got there, Chula Vista since 2012, went 11 and 30 over the, that time span, hadn't won a playoff game in, in, in a long time since about 2011. You go 7 and 5, you win a playoff game. You just said how, how late to the game you were just because of how late the hire was. What was the key to, to your success and how you were able to, you know, have a winning season and win a playoff game for Chula Vista? Um, you know, I would say uh, keeping the guys on at staff uh, was, was the important thing. There are some really good coaches at Chula Vista. It's great history, great tradition. Uh, you know, they were called the home of champions, especially through the 80s and 90s. They went to CIF a lot back then, had a lot of success. There's a lot of people that just bleed Spartan blue. And when I came on, uh, you know, there was a lot of questions about, you know, who was going to stick around, who wasn't. Uh, I was very lucky. I'd say one of the biggest things I did, you know, that was positive for us was uh, Eddie Ortega, my defensive coordinator, had also put in for the job. And, uh, you know, and, and he was the first guy I reached out to. Uh, I was lucky. We talked uh, really first time me and him had ever even sat down and spoke. Uh, you know, and I, I knew that the people in the community really liked what he had been doing at Chula Vista already. Uh, so I kept him on. I brought him on as my defensive coordinator. And I think, you know, we just got lucky. Everybody just kind of bought in really quick. Um, everybody is not there for me. Everybody's there for the community. Everybody's there for that, that high school and that Spartan spirit. Uh, and so that really just kind of helped. Uh, everybody bought in really, really quickly what we were doing. And then, you know, we just did, we worked hard. We just put in a lot of work. We knew we were coming in late. So it, we just knew that working hard was going to help us out. And the kids bought in. So it was great. It was a great time. I, I, I'll never forget that being my first season, I can tell you, as a head coach. In your first season, 
game one of the season was against Lincoln, and, and you're kind of on the you know the the rough end of, of a pretty you know big scoring margin there. After after game one happened, you know it wasn't it didn't go the way you wanted it to go. What was going through your mind? Were you thinking you know maybe this is you know this was rough? What did I get myself into? What were your initial reactions after that? Because I know in your first year you always want to be you know set the tone early and win a game, but you know sometimes you're 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 dealt a tough hand. How how did you how did you experience that first game as a head coach? Well, you know, I'm realistic. Um, we knew that we didn't match up well uh, with Lincoln. Lincoln was supre- supremely athletic, very well coached. Uh, you know, we knew we were going to have a handful with that. We are going to have to play a perfect game. They were going to have to struggle a little bit. Our guys were still, were still learning our system. Um, we actually had a lot of positives. I mean, that's the thing. When you go in a game like that where you know you're kind of outmanned, uh, you got to find the positive in it. You know, it was 13-7 at the half. Uh, we ran the ball really well. We ran for over 200 yards on them. Uh, we struggled defensively against them, which a lot of people did. Um, but that's what we took away from it was, hey, we got something here. We, we got some guys that, that are fighting. We got guys that aren't afraid of who's in front of them, no matter how big, tall, strong they are. Uh, so we actually found a lot of good things uh, out in that game, and, and it gave me hope uh, for us moving forward. Couple weeks later, you got your first win. Uh, as a head coach, getting your first win, how did that feel? I know you you want to try to win as many games as possible, and you know each game is the same. But you know, deep down, as a coach, knowing you got that first win, how was that feeling for you? Well, um, it was great. I mean, you know, like you said, we we started off zero two. You know, we we lose to Lincoln, uh, then we lose a close one to Mount Miguel, which I thought we could have won. Uh, and then it gets no easier because you got Morris coming to your house, and they had just had a great game against uh, Oceanside, I believe it was. So, um, you know, for that to be our first win, and that was our first home game of the season, it was amazing. Uh, you know, uh, Chula fans come out. I mean, there's always a lot of people in the stands, and so it was so loud and so awesome, and I had people from, you know, 1976 quarterback from back then coming up and giving me a hug and say thank you man this was great this reminded me of old school spartan football so uh, i was really happy it was it was a really special time well you got that team going and you guys ripped off a couple uh, wins there and and at near the end of the season chula vista looked like they were playing their best ball of the year you, you fight you take on Monta Vista, who ended up winning the CIF championship. You gave them their best game that they saw the entire playoffs. You held them to the lowest score that they had in the entire playoffs. After the season was all said and done, how proud of you were your guys and, and the season that you had? Well, first off, I, I want to tip my hat, you know, to Coach Hamamoto and his staff. I mean, they're first class, super, super awesome uh, great guys, you know, just, just professionals. Uh, so I really tipped my hat off on We were pulling for those guys the rest of the way because we were really happy. If you're going to lose somebody, that's not a bad staff to lose to. But, uh, you know, you never want to lose a game. Uh, we went out fighting. So, I mean, we're proud of that. Uh, you know, McClendon came out. He scored on the first two series on us, and I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Um, but, you know, we settled down. We even took a lead at some point, and um, then they tied it up. I think we were tied at half even. Uh, they tied it up with a couple of minutes left, I think, in the game. They score in overtime, kick the extra point. We score, and there was just no question. We all just said, let's go for it, you know. Uh, and uh, that young man that just got a, an offer, I think, from Montana, Blake Schmidt, made just one of the best plays I've ever seen in high school football. And He uh, breaks through two offensive linemen and tackles this one yard short. 
We literally fell one yard short. So as sad as I was to lose that game, you know, if you're going to lose, you go out, you know, on your shield like a Spartan. So I'm proud of how my young Spartans played, and, uh, you know, we left it all on the field. Let's talk about your young Spartans this year. Fast forward to this season, upcoming season. Give us some names of you know players that are coming back or maybe some new players that you got that are going to be an impact for the Chula Vista Spartans this year. Sure. Um, you know, we're going to be – we're going to be young this year. We, we graduated some really good guys last year. Uh, Ubaldo Nolasco being one of the best players I've seen, even when I was at Otay Ranch, he, he was really good. So they're going to be hard to replace, but um, we're excited. We got three guys are going to be juniors this year that uh, contributed tremendously as sophomores. Uh, Andrew Marquez who started for us the whole season as a sophomore at offensive guard. Uh, Jesus Rodriguez started at middle linebacker for us. And then uh, a guy who was really special, K. John Duncan, who probably, you know, I could argue he was our best player probably the last four games of the season and a really big reason for our success later on, uh, played running back and safety for us. But, you know, unfortunately he's recovering from an ACL injury, he suffered uh, playing basketball back in January, but we're hoping he's going to be back sometime early in the schedule this year. Um, we also have uh, some other guys we have high expect- expectations for, uh, Seniors Lorenzo, uh, Lorenzo Matos, uh, Filippo Toilolo, uh, who's a defensive lineman, and Nassim Monroy. Uh, they were all starters for us last year, so we expect those guys to continue doing well for us. And then we got some young fellas, some newcomers, uh, who've been playing well during sevens, uh, and we expect them to do well. Is uh, Dylan Sally, who's a wide receiver, going to be a junior this year. And Andre Stewart, who actually started at running back Chula Vista as a sophomore, but, you know, struggled a little bit here and there with grades and has really worked hard to get back on the field. Uh, So he's going to be taking all of our early wraps at running back for us, and we're excited about him. And then my – we got two young fellas going to be starting at tackle as sophomores, but they're 6'4 and 6'2, both of them around 270. Uh, His name's Nathan Gomez and uh, Nicholas Tina Harrow. So I get three years with those guys. We're really excited about those guys. Well, you get to see him firsthand pretty pretty quick here as uh, you know, scrimmages start August 11th. You guys are in the San, uh, San Diego Friday Night Lights Magazine Kickoff Classic. You, you get the rematch against Lincoln. Game doesn't count, but you know you can get your reps in and, and see what you guys got. Let's talk about a little bit about this event, why you decided to participate in it, and uh, you know what what is this event all about? Well, uh, first of all, it's for a great cause. You know, uh, going to have a food drive there. Montel has just done an awesome job with this. Even when I was at OTA, I always kept up uh, with what Montel Allen was doing. I always loved everything he did. I think last year he did interviews with coaches ahead of time. I, I think I watched every single one of them. So I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I think uh, they, they it's professional approach uh, to what they do. And, you know, and that brings me – to the second reason that I want to do it is because, you know, we need exposure for our program. Uh, as you said, Trula's had a couple down years uh, for a little while, and, and um, we've got to earn that exposure. But this is a good spot and a chance for us to kind of do that. So we know Lincoln's great, and we know they're going to present a nice challenge for us, but uh, we're ready for the challenge, and we're ready to go out there and um, show what we can do. Last thing, Coach, before we get going, finish this uh, sentence for me. In order for Chula Vista to win league this year for the first time in 11 years, they have to? We've got to outcoach uh, three great staffs, headed by uh, Drew Weslin, uh, Tyler Arciaga, and Brian Wagner. I think uh, I think our teams uh, in the South Bay 
uh, the Metro South Bay, I think we're very even. I think we're very competitive. Uh, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting division this year. It's hard to pick any of us, to be honest with you. And I think uh, all of those guys are tremendous coaches uh, that do great things with their staff. And so we're going to have our hands full, and we're going to have to put the work in. And if we want it, we're going to have to do a better job than they do. We got a pretty under-the-radar league in the Metro South Bay. Hilltop made it to the CIF semifinals last year. You guys lost to the eventual champs in the quarterfinals. Everyone's talking about the Metro Mesa League. You know, they got the East Lakes and the modern days and all that stuff. But, you know, the real uh, core of the South Bay is out there in the in the Metro South Bay League with you guys. Coach, it's been great talking with you. I can't wait to go out and check out a Chula Vista game this year. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, man, and great job on this podcast. Keep it going. That was a good interview with uh, Coach Howard Bannister of Chula Vista. I- I'm excited to see how his boys play. First year head coach last year uh, for the Spartans. Talking about you know all the pride they have down there in Chula Vista and and, and the ga- the people they get at the games and how excited you know some of the alumni were and some of the local people were that Chula Vista might be coming back. A lot of pride down there in the South Bay. I love it. I can't wait to to go down there and check out a game this year because Chula Vista is going to be good. Chula Vista is going to be good, um, you know, for their level. And uh, they're going to be a team to, to, to worry about in the in Metro South Bay League, well coached by, you know, Coach Bannister. He's got to deal with Coach Wessling, who we're going to have up uh, very shortly down there in the Metro South Bay in the league to try to win their first league title in 11 years. First league title in 11, 11 years for, for Chula Vista if they if they can pull it off this year. Um that San Diego uh, Friday Night Lights kickoff classic is going to be a good one too. Uh, talking with Ruben about it, um, you know, off air, he wants to come on and, and, and join us and talk a little bit about that game and that and that showcase. Uh, you know, kickoff to the season, great event. In order to, if you want to attend, it's going to be at Mirror Mason Madison High School. If you want to attend, bring a canned food um, item for the canned food drive. It's going to be a great job. It's going to be a great time. You know. Preseason football, it's not going to be like a scrimmage. You play 10 plays, and that's it, and then they rotate between the teams. I, it's a good idea. It's a great idea, actually, and I think more high school teams should go to the preseason format of a game instead of a scrimmage. Get the special teams in. You can see how different situations play out. You can try to test a couple things here and there. Get everything together that's going to be a game day for you and blow it out now. That's why all these college teams do these mock games. Get the guys in their uniforms properly. Make sure you get your pregame stretching going that you're going to do. Any pregame rituals that your your team does or traditions. Um, and especially with the game being a neutral site for the most part. Give your opportunity to, you know, how do we travel? How do we do this? Um, you know, how do we do things when we travel games? Get the young guys up, ready to go. This is how we do things here at the varsity level. So week one, you're not distracted by so many different other things going around, wrapping your head around it um, in order to get ready for a ball game. So I'm excited for that. San Diego Friday Night Lights football um, kickoff classic coming up August 11th at Mir Mesa High School, at Madison High School. Got some great teams involved with that. Um, and football is right around the corner. And one of the other teams competing in that tournament or not tournament, in that showcase game of the kickoff classic, Hilltop Lancers. Drew Wessling, head coach of the Hilltop Lancers, joins me next on the Boys of Fall podcast. Welcome 
Welcome back to the Boys of Ball Podcast, San Diego High School Football with Braden Soprenit. Uh, on our South Bay edition here on the program, we had Coach Bannister earlier. Now we're talking to head coach of the Hilltop Lancers, Drew Wessling. Uh, just finished his second year at Hilltop. Both years he went 7-5. and five. League champion last year in the Metro South Bay. Uh, coach, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for uh, working so hard. I know you've made a lot of calls and are working your butt off today, so I'm, I'm happy uh, to be with you. Yeah, that, you know, you always gotta gotta hustle in this industry, and that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to do. Just like you gotta hustle on the football field, you did a little bit of hustling uh, yourself, you know, before diving into the Hilltop Lancers. Let's let's get into your background for those of uh, for those of you who don't know. It's got a pretty interesting story here, uh, Drew uh, Wessling. Let's start with your high school playing days back at Aliso Miguel. You played for your dad, uh, Kurt. How was that experience, and how much of a factor, you know, of your dad being a coach lead to you being a coach? Yeah, I think, you know, I was really lucky. My dad's been a coach, um, and he teaches as well. So I've been around him and around football my whole life. Um, he really has only been a head coach since 2010 at my high school, Lisa Miguel, up in Orange County. Um, but he was the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach since the school opened in 1993. And, uh, you know, it was really neat for me to go to practice, play in the bags with other coaches' kids, and, and be around the guys. I just looked up to all of them so much and, um, you know, still do. And having the opportunity to go out to practice and really just spend time with your dad, you know, I just wanted to play Pop Warner because I, I thought it would make my dad proud. So, um, you know, he is such a big influence in my life still to this day. And uh, there's no doubt that I would never have found my passion, which is football, um, had he not been a coach. Uh, so I was very fortunate um, and still am to have him in my life. Yeah, I, I... – I, I can connect with you on that level. My dad coached high school football here in San Diego for 30 years. I grew up on a sideline just like you. Um, but I'll get into that a little bit later for another question. But uh, high school team captain, conference MVP, some big numbers uh, in high school. It gave you an opportunity to play college football. You signed with Tulsa out of high school. How was that initial transition from a high school quarterback in California to a redshirt quarterback in Tulsa, Oklahoma? And what eventually led to your decision to come back to California and attend Southwestern College? You know what? You have no idea as a young kid growing up in Southern California how spoiled you are <laughs> to live <laughs> where you live, whether it be San Diego, Orange County. Um, and I was uh, a, a little bit of culture shock going, obviously, to Tulsa. Um, wonderful people. Um, my teammates were wonderful to me. I was kind of the prima donna Southern California kid who needed to kind of have a reality check. And, and I got one pretty quick. I had uh, two quarterbacks were in front of me. Paul Smith was a starter, all-time leading passer at Tulsa, and then David Johnson was the backup. I was the third quarterback. And, uh, you know, it's such an interesting dynamic when you go from being one of the players on your high school team to being, um, you know, one of the guys and one, one of the lesser guys at that at the college level. So I think it kind of rocked my confidence a little bit. Um, but it was such a great experience for someone who'd end up being a coach because I got to learn so much. And, and and ultimately, my decision to leave, really, we had a coaching change. Our coach at the time, Steve Cragthorpe, went to Louisville. Um, Todd Graham, who was the defensive coordinator the year, my redshirt year, came back and was the head coach. And I was pretty fired up for the opportunity. Um, I would have maybe played as a senior, still probably not. Um, but I, I said, you know what, if I'm going to be a backup, uh, I'm going to do it back down in San Diego where it's a lot less humid and, and I have a chance to go compete and, and try and pursue my dream of being a starting quarterback so I decided to bounce back to Southwestern College <clears throat> had a great uh, experience there from Coach Carberry who's another mentor of mine and, and then got a chance to move on to San Diego State where I got to learn a ton of football again and 
and had a great experience there. Yeah, California was obviously good to you. You go back to Southwestern College, you become a three-star recruit, you know, you tear it up, you, you won Pacific Coast Conference Player of the Week uh, one time. How was the junior college experience for you? Because, you know, a lot of kids kind of shy away from going to junior college um, just because of a pride thing, which is, which, which is dumb. But there's a lot of opportunities at junior college. How was the junior college route for you? Well, well you hit the nail on the head, especially coming out of high school. Um, there was a sense that if you went to, in my area up in Orange County, it was Saddleback College, that somehow you had failed. And, and, and there was a lot of, you know, insecurity among student-athletes who were saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to go to Saddleback. And, you know, I, I'm not one of the 1% that gets a Division One scholarship. I guess I'm a loser. And, gosh, that couldn't be farther from the truth. There's so much great football out there. And the junior college level, Coach Carberry, you know, makes the analogy that it's like punting. You know, it's not sexy to punt. Everyone thinks you fail when you punt, but really you're just repositioning yourself for success. And, th- and that's what junior college is. There is, um, it, you want to talk about a wide range of, of talent and ability. I mean, there's guys who would not play on a JV team in high school and guys who should be playing in the NFL. And they're there for all various and multiple reasons. So uh, it was a great opportunity. We were uh, the first class with Coach Carberry there. And it was tough. We lost some close games. We were up 28-7 at half against Riverside. And uh, it was funny, I was talking with Doug Brady, who was my quarterback coach at the time, who was the offensive coordinator at Westview. And he was joking because San Diego State came to watch me the first half of the first game. And right when they left, the rest of our season went downhill. We blew a 28-7 point lead. Uh, we kind of stumbled our way to a 3-6 and six record, losing some close games, losing some not-so-close games. We had a game canceled because of the fires back in 2007. Um, but it was an unbelievable experience. You know, I, I learned a lot about myself, about football, about how much I love it. And uh, I'm really thankful for it. I, I hope more people realize, you know, in San Diego alone, there's four great junior colleges where you can still pursue your dreams. And, and people need to get over the fact that they're at a community college, quote unquote. Yeah, you can say that for not even uh, athletics, but academics. You know, you save a lot of money going to junior college if you're, you know, paying your way through school. I know my parents told me that, but, I, you know, I'm going on a tangent here. Final destination of college, like you said, San Diego State. Uh, you started a game against Air Force. You threw your longest pass against my alma mater, TCU, which, you know, to me is a very incredible because how great their defense is under, under Coach Patterson. Out of everything you accomplished in your college career, whether that be Tulsa, Southwest, San Diego State, what sticks out to you as the most memorable experience you had playing college football? Um, you know, starting, it was really neat because, well, first of all, don't Google video of that throw against TCU to Roberto Wallace. That was a long throw because it was an ugly prayer that I threw up that he saved my butt. On <laughs> Actually, I know you have some affiliation with the video department there. If you could burn that copy of that tape, that would save me, you know, a lot of, a lot of hassle in the future. But, that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. My, my greatest experience at, at San Diego State was uh, having the opportunity to start a game, and it was really neat because uh, San Diego State does the KGB Sky Show every year. So I convinced my grandma, who came to the game, that you know the 40,000 people that were there to see me instead of the normal <laughs> 50,000, they had nothing to do with the fact that that's you know, usually a sellout for the fireworks. So um, that, was, that was an awesome, very surreal experience, and you know, we were up at halftime, and, 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 I, and it was a great teaching moment for me that I talked to my quarterbacks about all the time is I totally started pressing. You know, I tried to do more than I could in the second half and not just play my game, and then everything kind of fell apart. So, you know, I really believe that all of my shortcomings and, and, and failures as a player have led me to become a better coach, and I'm able to hopefully impart that wisdom um, on our guys every day. 
Uh, sorry, I'm texting my boss at TCU to, to delete all the San Diego State <laughs> film that we possibly have. I, it, it's funny you say that because, um, you know, just on a side note, working at the department, we have film from just way too far back in the day that we need to get rid of anyway. I'm, I'm probably sure I've probably seen that tape uh, laying around. I, I keep telling them they got to get rid of that stuff. Nobody cares what they ran back then. But, uh, you know, Gary, Gary Patterson likes his likes his film all the time. So, side note, yeah. let's talk about you as a head coach. You got your first gig at Chula Vista High School at age 27. You went 2-8. and eight. You ended up resigning after the year because the difference is I don't, I don't want to get into that too much, but I want to, let's, let's dig into the fact of what did you learn from the trials and tribulations of your first year as a head coach, you know, a young head coach, probably one of the youngest head coaches in San Diego County. Uh, how was that as a learning experience for you? It was, it was an incredible learning experience, and, you know, you hate to have – learning experiences where you're not successful when it's not an individual experience because you know I obviously want to make wanted to win more games so our guys had a better experience the, the players were fantastic the athletic director Craig Wilson I'm still close with and he gave me a great opportunity there um, you know and I think one of the things I learned is you just have to be aligned with with everyone who's moving in the same direction and I, I you know no ill will um, towards Chula Vista I, I have tremendous respect and, and a lot of friends who are still there and was just kind of a, a difference of personality with some of the administration and myself but you know it was it, gosh I, I we could have an entire podcast on what I learned there and I think one of the things as a head coach and then as becoming a head coach coming from um, you know the school my high school in Orange County to school in the South Bay was you don't know what you don't know so I remember you know my dad was and still as the head coach I'd go I get down to Chula Vista all right well uh, we need to order some more helmets well, we're out of, uh, what do you mean? Where, where are you going to buy them? I, I don't know. How do you buy helmets? Let me just say it. <laughs> I, I, and, and then we had to borrow some helmets and, and, and make some things happen there. So there's just things that you, you don't know that, that you won't know until you become a head coach. Um, and uh, it, it was awesome. And I think I've gotten better at a lot of the things that I didn't do very well then. And, and, and I know that I've gotten better as a head coach from 2016 and 17 and 17 to 18. And um, there's, so much room for me to improve and grow so I can help uh, help our team win so as long as you're not uh, not learning from something then then you never have a bad experience well a lot of people don't understand they see the the glamour of the Friday night lights and you know you're leading out your team they don't know all the other side stuff it's like I gotta wear helmets I mean uniforms got to be good kids are always <laughs> leaving and forgetting stuff everywhere and you hey coach got another pair of socks you got to worry about all that stuff before the game instead of working on coaching uh, that I, I don't know how you head coaches do it you know I, I I'm an assistant coach I don't have to worry about that stuff. I let the head coach do it. Um, but you know, hats off to you guys for having to you know coach and do that. Let's let's. Uh, you then go to uh, Elisa Miguel to coach with your dad, Kurt. I have played for my dad. I currently coach with my dad as well. Um, so I could feel your pain or, or, or in the fun that you've had doing this. Um, did you find it easier to coach with your dad than play for him? Uh, what did you learn from this experience, and uh, how did you enjoy that? You know what I. I'm really fortunate in that my dad is really well liked by everybody. And it, it would have been hard to play and coach for a guy who was maybe an old school yeller screamer who a lot of the players, you know, after practice would mumble about. But I was so fortunate. My dad is, is such a well liked and respected guy by kids and his peers and coaches and, and colleagues that, that it was very easy. And, you know, to be honest, I just feel bad because I was such a young go getter, fire ups, get after kind of guy that. 
me being a head coach now, I would not have wanted myself as an assistant because I was just out of control and so live or die <laughs> and, and, and not seeing the big picture uh, at all times. And, and, and I've kind of learned to do that. You know, I'm still as competitive and live and die as possible, but trying to do it in a, uh, a little bit better way. So I think, you know, I owe him a debt of gratitude for the opportunity. And, you know, it's just something that, like you've mentioned, not a lot of people have the opportunity to coach with their dad and have such a good relationship. And coaching takes so much time. So you really have to make it a family affair um, in order to hold up your end of the bargain as a uh, family member. At what point when you were there did you realize, hey, you know what, I think I'm ready to be a head coach again. And, and, and then when did you lean towards, you know, pursuing another head coaching job? And then at this case, Hilltop. You know, it was really interesting. I uh, I was going to go be the offensive coordinator. Football, more than, gosh, so many things, is really about who you know and connections and things like that. The defensive backs coach at Southwestern in 2007 was a man named Justin Schaefer, um, and he was the head coach at Murrieta Mesa High School when it first opened 2009 all the way to 2014. Him and I stayed in touch um, from Southwestern on, and he got the job at Fountain Valley High School up in North Orange County. Uh, before the 2016 season, and he was calling about, hey, do you know anybody up here who could be an O coordinator? And I didn't know if I'd have enough teaching sections in the Sweetwater District after that. I kind of went, I'm not really sure what's going on there. So I said, well, yeah, I know me. I- I'd love to do it. And uh, I-, I went up there, and I-, I am one of those foolish people who got their teaching credential in PE, which those jobs very rarely come open. <laughs> um, so they were having a hard time getting me – um, a spot up in Fountain Valley, and then I got a call from my good friend Kevin Pike, who was my teammate at Southwestern 2007, telling me, hey, Hilltop's about to open. Coach Roloff's going to take position at UCLA. Uh, we have a really good group of kids. I think you should give it a shot. And I applied almost as a backup plan that my uh, sections wouldn't fall through at Fountain Valley. And, and, gosh, it just couldn't have worked out any better. I mean, the kids here are awesome. We have some really good people involved here. We have a brand-new principal who's, who's – really supportive of athletics and, and, and a brand new stadium coming up here. So everything kind of just seemed to be meant to be and, and so thankful that it worked out. Yeah. So you guys got a new turf coming in, which is great. Uh, I heard that, you know, that's been a work in progress, but okay. You got the head coaching job in t- uh, 2016. You're 14 and 10 at Hilltop. You know, you made it to the quarterfinals each of those two seasons. You got a league championship from your perspective as head coach of the program. What is the state of the Hilltop Lancers football program? And then what do you, Drew Wessling, need to do in order to get Hilltop to the next step? You know what? I think there is a ton of positive momentum. As a coach, you really try not to – you don't have time to, to, to take too much stock of what you've done because regardless of where you've been or what you've accomplished in the past, it means very little to the future. So we are constantly just trying to – use the analogy of being a horse with blinders and just getting better every day. I know you're like, oh, come on, man. How cliche is that? But really, that's that's kind of the only the only way that you can do it is just to, to get up every day and get better and, and work your butt off. And um, I think culture-wise, what's, what's been awesome to see is over this going into my third year, we really have people who understand how we want to get things done, um, how we want to do it with a positive attitude, how we want to get everyone involved in the school and create a positive environment. You know, football really can set the tone for a great school year. It's the first thing. Got a great opportunity this year with the brand-new stadium. There's a lot of excitement. We were on the grind last year, so we tried to kind of promote our program. Um, We can't wait to get started, and we really just have to keep working and keeping our nose to the grindstone. 
Drew Wessling, head coach of the Hilltop Lancers, joins us right now. 2018 season, vastly approaching. I know you guys are playing that San Diego Friday Night Lights magazine come, uh, you know, kickoff classic coming up. Uh, real quick, you want to talk about um, that event and uh, why you guys have participated in that event, uh, you know, last year and now this year? You know what? I had never heard of it before I got on here at Hilltop, um, but Coach Roloff played El Cap in 2015, and uh, everyone said it's a great event because uh, they raise a ton of. Uh, they, it, it's a, don- a food, a canned food donation uh, to get in game, and they raise a ton of awareness and, and bring in canned food and, and do a great job for the community. So it, it's awesome to be involved. It also gets the guys excited because it's more of an NFL preseason game than it is a scrimmage. You get to put on your game uniform. Uh, you know, you're, you're flying around, you're playing another team. There's a lot of parity in the matchups. Um, so we're, we're really excited. We play Christian, who we lost to in the playoffs in 2016. They have an outstanding staff and a great program, so it'll be a nice litmus test for us to see where we're at before game one. That's almost better than you know, a scrimmage where you know, you go out and you got that three-team rotation. You run like ten plays and you don't move the ball. This you're dialed in. You get to run your stuff. You get to you know different situations, call for different calls and all that. I I feel like most most schools should probably go to this format, you know, and, and participate in something like the kickoff classic. Let's talk about the players you got coming up. You got some player. What what uh, players you got? Uh, you know, this year that are going to be a big impact for the Hilltop Lancers. Gosh, we have a bunch. We really do, and I'm I'm really excited about the direction we're heading. And, and this senior class, you know, this this is going to be the, their third year with me. Um, I'm really really excited about our quarterback this year, Joey Castillo. Joey reminds me a lot of myself. We're very similar personality wise, and uh, if you were in within two nautical miles of Hilltop High last year, uh, you heard me just read him the riot act. And uh, I did that because somebody did that to me when I needed it too. But uh, we've grown really close. He was just named captain uh, a few days ago, and he's had an awesome summer. I mean, we had a chance to throw against Lincoln in the Southwestern tournament, and there's not a lot of big windows when you go against Lincoln. And uh, he was stepping up and and letting it fly. So I'm really excited about our quarterback. We have uh, Marcos DeAndes, our returning tight end, middle linebacker. He is an, an elite player, a gamer, if there ever is one. He had about 20 catches in that seven-on-seven game I just remembered and uh, mentioned and just seems to step up to the plate all the time. He's going to be a college prospect. Uh, Micaiah Iuli is ready to explode at receiver. Um, it's going to be his show at our X position. We have Dylan McCoy, who's a cornerback wide receiver for us, who's an absolute stud. I can't wait to see what he does. Anthony Paz is kind of our Swiss Army knife. He's a hybrid running back receiver, linebacker safety guy. Um we, we, we've got so many guys. I hate to keep mentioning them because I forget them, but I do want to mention, you know, our, our group, what we call the trench dogs, which is our O&D line. And um, Felix Zavala does our defensive line and, more importantly, does our strength and conditioning. And uh, the work that our entire team, especially the big boys, have put in the offseason is really going to pay dividends in the fall because, um, you know, we have a saying, big people beat up little people. And uh, it always helps when you're a little bit bigger and stronger. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how that group comes together uh, after losing some really key players up front. Yeah, I can't wait to see that uh, thousand pound club coming up in the in the fall here. Uh, last guy, uh, last season, you know, my guys at San Diego Prep Insider that I, you know my colleagues that I work with over there, uh, they featured you on their uh, third uh, second season of the grind. How was that experience for you and your team? And and uh, it's time for a little bit of advice. What advice are you going to give Coach Thompson up at Mira Mesa for uh, when we show up uh, at at their practices coming up? You know, it's so funny. Coach Thompson actually gave me a call yesterday asking the same thing. Hey, what are we getting into here? Can I pick your brain a little bit? And I said the best part is that 
um, well, the best part for us was that the guys who were normally two or three minutes late to practice, they were there early because they wanted to be on TV. But other than that, <laughs> the best part is, you know, you're working with great people who are really professional and, you know, Christian as much as a hard Tommy and the whole crew, uh, they were so easy to work with and, and uh, really accommodating and, and got it, got great footage. It was, it was kind of a, uh, a nice way to honor our senior class who, got a little bit shortchanged by not being able to play any home games on the field so it was a lot of fun um and, and you know brought a spotlight to our players and how hard they work so uh i i gotta tell you coach thompson uh he's gonna get that thing rolling beyond belief at mirror mesa i i don't think people understand what an outstanding coach he is and he's you know if he listens to this he's gonna be really mad that i said that but uh that they are gonna be a exciting team to watch and get a chance to see what they do shoot I'm going to be taking notes and trying to learn from him so that that was an excellent choice and I'm excited to watch the season myself yeah I can't I can't wait to uh, to be a part of that as well and like like you said Mirror Mesa is going to be really good with the talent they have and the coaching that they have um for sure but uh let, I you know we were talking about the junior college level you know we we're talking about you know you playing college football at the D1 level as well being someone who's played at you know pretty much every level of um you know school football if you will high school and college um it's time to give advice again what advice would you give these young players a lot of kids in the county being recruited um you know what to expect at the next level as well as uh you know the benefits maybe of you know taking the junior college route you know the first thing i would say to everybody is i never had to deal with social media and all the things that come with it but in, in play for your team play for your community and don't keep looking ahead on all this stuff. I see so many people that are so worried about what's going to happen next and they don't take care of what's happening now. Play for your team. Enjoy your team. There is nothing like high school football and the opportunity to play with your best friends and, and pursue championships and compete. So I think that's something that people need to really take a minute and step back and, and more so the parents too. You know, you need to make sure that you understand that having a great experience at the high school level and, and being the best player you can for your team not for the number of stars that you want to get, it is, is so important and something you'll never regret doing. Um, you know, that, that being said, those who are fortunate enough to go to the next level, um, it, it, it's a lot of fun. It's super exciting, and, and the thrills that come with it are, are all legitimate, um, but it does come with a lot of work, and um, that's what makes it so rewarding because anything that you don't have to work very hard for is, is usually not worth having. So just keep on working hard, take care of your school, be smart on social media and uh, give yourself a break. Try and enjoy being a, a young person too. Last thing before I, you know, I'll let you go. And I've, I've taken a lot of your time up. And you know, thanks again for joining the show. In order for Hilltop to repeat as league champions, they must. Yeah, I think we must practice and play very, very well. Um, if there's one thing that we need to, to, to focus on, it is no repeat mistakes. What I mean by that is, um, you know, we want to make mistakes in practice. I am not afraid to have a bad practice because that means we can improve. <clears throat> what we don't want to have and what we need in order to have a chance to compete for a league title is to make sure we're not repeating mistakes. You know, if you make a mistake once, that, that's plenty. Let's not make it any anymore. You know, there's just not enough time with this new calendar this year going a week earlier and playing mid-August to, to have issues come up uh, multiple times. So screw something up, learn from it, fix it, let's move forward, keep competing and, and keep getting better. So, um, you know, the one thing I will say is 
uh, Coach Bannister, who you had on before, we, we were throwing at Otai 7-on-7 seven seven with Chula Vista on Tuesday, and uh, he invited myself and the Otai staff and his staff over to his house, um, and we got a chance to visit a little bit. I, I'm really thankful our league and our conference has such a great group of coaches. You know, we want to totally kick each other's butt and compete for titles, but there's a lot of mutual respect and camaraderie, and, you know, that's, uh, that's something pretty neat and pretty cool about our, our South Bay community. I was talking to uh, Coach Bannister, you know, right before you came on, and I said, "Hey, you know, I know, I know the Metro Mesa League gets all the glory with East Lake and Modern Day and those big schools, but I'm telling you right now, that Metro South Bay League with you know Hilltop and Chula Vista, they they could they could play some ball too. They're kind of an under the radar league down there in the South Bay. Coach, good luck this year. Thanks again for uh, for for taking your time out of your day to talk to me about uh, Hilltop football and, and and your great story you have." Thank you so much. I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate the publicity, and, and I, I'm looking forward to your top 25 coming out soon. I saw that on Twitter. I can't wait to see uh, see where everybody's at. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna in the next segment, the last segment of uh, this podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it out, and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see everybody else's opinions. I'm, I'm I'm fully ready to back it up. I think you're gonna like uh, one of the teams in the top 25. Yeah, okay, good. I won't have to bribe you like I was planning once we got off air. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> I, like what, I like what you're saying. All right, sounds good, Coach. Loved that interview. Loved it with Coach Wessling. Um, great talking, catching up with him, talking to him. Uh, his story is pretty cool. It, it, the trials and tribulations of his young 20s and just out of high school, it is a great learning experience for him, but also, you know, a great opportunity for us to learn about, you know, what his background was and it, you know, pick up for, you know, some of the mistakes maybe he made that we can, you know, focus in our lives as, you know, as coaches or as as educators or as, you know, maybe just young people in general, like even the players that any players that are listening out there, you know, some advice of, you know, maybe I should go the junior college route. Maybe I, you know, you know, maybe this school isn't necessarily right for me. How do I get through recruiting, you know, with social media? How do I just focus on just playing high school football and just enjoying the moment of playing high school football? Because you know, it's it's gone like that. You know, as an ex-player, I just I remember the seniors telling me senior year is gonna go like that, and I it went like that for me. It just bam, it was over. And then unfortunately, I was part of that team at Cathedral Catholic that got kicked out of the playoffs because of an ineligible player that was used. You know, you know, a great kid that that started at Cathedral, transferred to Westview, um, uh, for you know for for personal reasons, and came back to Cathedral. Had never played football before. Uh, decided to come out, and then you know some you know mishap with the athletic department and other things um, deemed him ineligible. So we had to forfeit basically our season, and, and just like you never know when it's going to end. So enjoy the moment now. You know, maybe get hurt in your last year. You never know when that's going to happen, and we pray for everyone to not have injuries during the year. But sometimes that ends ends a, a kid's high school career, or you know, just like that, you just be taken away. We're expected to play a playoff game. We're ready to play Sarah, and then all of a sudden on Tuesday of game week, we were told we're not playing anymore, and that was just one of the most crushing feelings I've ever you know experienced as a human being. But it got it got me, you know ready for life and it was a good life lesson to learn for me as I went through college and as how I got through, got out of college and now in 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 the workforce so a little philosophical stuff for you there don't want to get too into that but this is what we've been waiting for my top 25 preseason top 25 for you I'm basing it off 
a little bit of the one I started in December, the way too early one. So we got some movement here. My biggest mover was Otai Ranch. I moved them up 16 spots. My biggest drop was San Marcos. I moved them down five spots. Um, before we get into it, the breakdown, I got 14 Division One teams ranked in the top 25. I got eight Division Two teams. I got three D3 teams with three of them, you know, just on the cusp. I got one D4 team, and unfortunately, I don't have any D5, but, you know, I like the top 25 idea, you know, looking at Twitter today and throughout the last week, Brett Fisher was talking about it, Dago Football is talking about it, I know Adam Paul is trying to get a top 25 ranking going, because it would be really interesting to see to, to see just outside the top 10, the UT's one is great, um, that John Maffey runs over there, but top 25, well, interesting now, we got a lot more teams now, but uh, let's, let's get into it, uh, teams that are just kind of on the cusps. Not quite there yet. I got to see some more. University City, I think, is a solid football team. I think they can run in there. Uh, Granite Hills, they had a really good year last year, but they got a lot of senior leadership. I think San Diego High is also going to be good this year, um, but I just don't think they're uh, at that level yet uh, to put them in the top 25. Um, and then Rancho Buena Vista, I think they're also another team uh, to look out for, just missing my top 25. Uh, but th- that's what the season's for, so I can make adjustments and, and, and get to where we need to be. At number 25, I ca- I told Coach Wessling that he was going to like this. He's had one, t- His team was going to be in the top 25. Unfortunately, I didn't tell him where he was. But at 25, I got Hilltop. I think they're going to have a good year this year. Um, one of my teams in D3 that are ranked, I, it, the way he's been running that offense, the way he learned how to be a head coach, and with all the, the – um, the licks that he took and the trials and tribulations, like I've said already, that he that he went through as a coach and the experience he has, it's starting to pay off here at Hilltop. They're going to be good with their brand new field down there in South Bay. Modern Day, I have at 24. I think they're going to come back after last year. I like their quarterback. I like some of the weapons they have. Look out for them. Santa Fe Christian, I have at number 23. They dropped one spot from my way-too-early one. They're always good. They always compete up there at Santa Fe Christian. Smaller school, but um, look for them to have a bounce-back year. Not a bounce-back year, but to to feed off of that CIF championship um, finalist that they were um, a season ago. Then I got Bishops. They dropped... uh, quite a bit since um, last season because, again, seniors. and um, I just don't think they're a good football team, but there's there's a, they run into problems when it comes to size of other kids of other teams. Their quarterback's going to be really good next year again, but I got Bishop's kind of low on the lower end here. Point Loma, they got some athletes with J.L. Skinner coming back. Uh, they play in a really tough league in the Western League, so expect them to have a, a pretty decent season in non-league. Then I got Valley Center at 20. That's a team that that usually wins a lot of games up there at Valley Center. Um, they're playing up now. They don't have the as big of a school as some of the schools they're playing in Division Two, and you know that's probably a reason why they're not winning CIF championships over and over again like they used to. But I like Ricky Mazzetti up there. Uh, they got uh, Big Joe up. Um, playing offensive tackle for them. I think they're going to be in good shape. Vista is a team. They were very young last year. They're my number 19 team out of Division Two. They only won three games last year, but they competed and took their licks with a lot of good North County schools. I liked Vista on tape. I like them again next year. Oceanside, 18. Uh, they got Meacham playing uh quarterback for them. It should be a little bit more of a spark. I think they do better than they did last year, but I still don't think they're there yet. 
They're at 18. Monta Vista, 17. They got bumped up to D3. I think they're a favorite to win D3 after winning D4 last year. Jamal McClendon commit to San Diego State is going to be a main reason for that. I got them at 17. 16, Mira Mesa, my D2 favorite, although I got a couple other D2 teams ranked in front of them. Um, I think it's going to take a little bit of time to work the kinks out, but don't don't be shocked if they go 9-1, and 8-2, or 10-0. and 0. One of those three guaranteed is going to be what they are. I bet you they win league. I bet you they go really deep in D2. If they don't make the champ, if they don't not just make the championship, they will win the championship in Division 2. Steel Canyon got bumped up to Division 1 this year. They're number 15 team for me, coming off a state championship run. Look for them to continue to have success in Hamul. 14 is where I got Lincoln. I bumped them up 12 spots. Um, I didn't have them ranked before. They passed my eye test. I think they're gonna have they're gonna be better this year than they have in years past. Look for Lincoln to do really well. Again, tough league. We'll see what they do. They win two league games. They're gonna be in the D two final. Saint Augustine, number thirteen. I dropped them three spots. Um, they had a lot of young guys last year mixed with a lot of seniors. Their junior class last year wasn't very strong, so they don't have a lot of senior leadership this year. But they got the junior quarterback. That lit it up last year. Uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be good. We'll see how uh, the new head coach plays into plays into a factor. But you know Saint Augustine is always there at the top at the end of the year. They'll be there again. Uh, after that, I got Ramona Grossmont, uh, Ramona and Grossmont for eleven and twelve. Grossmont eleven, Ramona twelve. Grossmont's got a really good offense. They don't seem to be able to play defense as as much as they should probably should be able. To. They give up a lot of points. Okay, they score a lot of points, they give up a lot of points. If they're able to slow people down and stop people, who knows how many how how big these these margins of victory are going to be for Grossmont based on on how well uh, Tom Carlo calls that offense. Um Ramona, another good team, flying under the radar team, man. People sleep on Ramona all the time. I got them at 12, bumped them up four spots. Went to the championship game last year. Disappointing end to what it was a great season last year by going undefeated and then losing in the championship game. They're in D2, another team you're going to be concerned about in a loaded Division II this year. Top 10 time, Otay Ranch at 10, San Marcos at 9, Carlsbad at 8, Eastlake at 7, Lacosta Canyon at 6. Uh, Coach Sean up there at Lacoste Canyon says this is the best team he has had in years. He's excited for that club. Eastlake's got John McFadden back. That's going to be a big factor in the South Bay. Carlsbad with Asa Turner. And Coach Mack up there at Carlsbad, they're going to be ready to go after a pretty good Division One run last year. Uh, and the Avocado League is going to be difficult, but I think they're going to be ready to play. San Marcos, I bumped down a little bit. Okay, they got Miles Hastings coming back. But aside from that, not too many weapons up there. They graduated a lot of guys, but I know Techler's going to have those guys ready to go. So that's why I still have them in my top ten. Top five, here we go. Madison, number five. Uh, they got a lot of talent. They got a lot of talent athletically. They got... Uh, the best recruited player in San Diego in Kenyon Christian. He just got upgraded to a four four star recruit by two four seven sports or twenty four seven sports. I'm sorry, you know, offers from Alabama, TCU, uh, USC, tons of Big Twelve schools, Pac twelve schools. Whoever, if it's a big time school, he's got the offer for it. Mix that with um, some of the other guys they have in in uh, in Spriggs and. Um, you know, tra- uh, the transfer quarterback. I'm blanking on some names right now. Got to tr- try to remember a lot of names. It's, it's difficult, but Madison's going to be good. Their question mark, though, is their offensive line. 
and their defensive line. Lost a lot of guys last year from the from the from the from the trenches. We'll see how Madison does. I still think they're a top five team. Helix is a big question mark for me. Helix will always be Helix. But they don't have that many guys coming back from last year. Their JV team was okay. Last year, they did get the transfer from Eastlake to play quarterback, um, but you know, and they got Elian Noah, who's got who's top three backs in the in, in the county. I have Helix at four because Helix will always be Helix, but because of what they what they have coming back from last year's state team, that's why I have them at four, and not anything higher. Mission Hills, number three, big boost after last weekend for me. I think they're gonna do. Well, they passed a couple of my question mark tests. We'll see what happens when we get the pads on, but they are rejuiced, retooled, ready to go for another explosive offensive year up in San Marcos at Mission Hills. Torrey Pines, number two on my preseason uh, top 25. I think they're one of the favorites to win the Open Division. I almost guarantee you that they're going to be in the Open Playoff unless something drastic happens in terms of injuries or anything like that. But they got, on paper, the team to get to the Open Final, which would be their first Division One or Open Final since about 2003, which is a long stretch for a team that's that's had really good teams over the years. And my number one team, unbiased opinion, is Cathedral Catholic. Uh, the way they competed in the battle for the be- battle at the beach tournament, uh, and the way they've been doing well in passing league and, and stuff they usually don't do well in, they got a lot of talent coming back. They got a lot of young talent coming up. They're my my preseason number one at this point, based on how they've played so far and based on what they've had. That's my top twenty five. Let me go through it real quick one more time. Cathedral Catholic 1, Torrey Pines, Mission Hills, Helix, Madison, LCC, Eastlake, Carlsbad, San Marcos, Otay Ranch at 10, Grossmont, Ramona, St. Augustine, Lincoln, Steel Canyon, Mira Mesa, Monta Vista, Oceanside, Vista, Valley Center, Point Loma, Bishops, Santa Fe Christian, Modern Day, and Hilltop at 25. That'll do it for me today. Again, thanks again to Drew Wessling, head coach of Hilltop, for catching up with me. Thanks again to Howard Bannister, Trula Vista head coach, uh, for catching up with me. I look forward to hanging out with more coaches coming up next week. I'm going to get a full East County report from Adam Paul next week on the Boys of Fall podcast. Be sure to check it out on iTunes. It's in the in the process of, uh, of posting right now. We get it on SoundCloud. And uh, we're going to be ready for the season. It's going to be a good time. Can't wait for the season to start. It's coming up faster. And uh, for the Boys of Fall podcast, San Diego High School football, I'm Braden Zaprenit, and I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>